remember you. He said this with a weird premeditated hardness, as if not remembering but possibly remembering was a firm policy. Migrated back to the old neighborhood? Cressner placed the box at the slate lip of the basement stairwell and stepped around his gate to take my hand. By the time we had a down payment, we could barely afford this part of the city, he said. But Roberta doesn't care that I grew up around here. She became entranced with the neighborhood reports in the city section. Wife? Paramore. Ah. This left me with nothing to say except, I should have you guys over for drinks. The vision lifted one Nimoy-esque eyebrow. When you get in and catch your breath, of course. You and the paramour. I met Roberta at the border of our two backyards the next Sunday. The rear gardens through the middle of the block were divided by rows of potted plants but no fence, allowing easy passage of cats and conversation. These communal yards were a legacy from the 70s that most new owners hadn't chosen to reverse. I had a basement renter's usual garden privileges and was watering the plants which formed the border when Roberta Jar appeared at her back door. She introduced herself and explained that she and Cressner had bought the house. Yes, I met Adam a few days ago, I said. I know him, actually, from around here. Oh? I'd supposed he'd told of our encounter in front, mentioned being recognized by a schoolmate. Now I had to wonder whether to explain Cressner's childhood fame. We were at grade school together, on Henry Street, long before this was a fashionable address. Surely he's walked you past his alma mater. Adam doesn't reminisce, said Roberta Jar, coolly, and I thought strangely. The assertion, which could have been fond or defiant, had managed to be neither. I thought of how Adam had possibly remembered the week before. Funny, I do nothing else, I said. I hoped it was a charming line, Roberta Jar didn't smile, but her eyes flashed a little encouragement. Does it pay well? she asked. Only when something gets optioned for the movies. How often is that? It's like the lottery, I said. Ninety-nine percent of the time, nothing, but that one time and you're golden. I'd been blunted from the fact of my instinctive attraction to Roberta Jar, in those first moments, by her towering height. Roberta was six-two, or three, I calculated, and with none of that hunched manner with which women apologize for great height or sizable breasts. So I'd been awed before being struck. By this time, though, I was struck, too. Paramore, pyramid, pylon, I fooled with in my head. I mentioned again having the two of them over for a drink. My evenings were very free since parting from Gia Michelli, and I was stuck on what I'd blurted to Adam Cressner and had visualized ever since, a grown-up encounter involving wine and sophisticated talk. No longer a couple, I still socialized like one in my imagination. Cressner and his tall woman would visit my apartment for drinks, they'd see the couple I'd been by Gia's phantom limb absence, and ratify the couple I'd likely be again by the fact of themselves. In other words... Perhaps Roberta Jar had a friend she could set me up with. Maybe, she said, utterly disinterested. Or you could come along tonight. We're having a few people in. A housewarming party? Actually, we're playing a game. You'd like it. Truth or dare, spin the bottle sort of thing? More interesting than that. It's called Mafia. You should come. I think we still need a fifteenth. 
For bridge or dinner party, you might need a fourth or a sixth. Roberta Jar and Adam Kressner needed a fifteenth. That was how close to essential I'd been encouraged to feel myself to be. How do you play Mafia? It's hard to explain, but not to play. I turned up with wine, still imposing my paradigm, but it was a beer thing I'd turned up at. Adam Kressner ushered me into the parlor, which was restored. New white marble fireplace and mantel. Freshly remodeled plaster rosette ceiling. Blonde polished floor. But unfurnished, and full instead of gray metal folding chairs like those you'd find in a church basement. The chairs were packed with Adam and Roberta's friends, all drinking from bottles and laughing noisily, too caught up to bother with introductions. When I counted, I found myself precisely fifteenth. Roberta Jar was part of the circle, tall in her chair. I wondered if she stood taller than Adam. This was the first time I'd seen them together. Adam had just been explaining the game, and he started again for me. I was one of four or five in the group who'd never played. Others threw in comments and suggestions as Adam explained the rules. I'll be the narrator, Adam told us. That means I'm not playing the game, but leading you through it. We want you to play, Adam, someone shouted. Someone else can narrate. We've played. We know how. No, you need a strong narrator, said Adam. You're an unruly bunch. I imagined I heard in his tone a hint of the vision's selfless patronage of humanity. According to the rules of Mafia, the group of fourteen comprised a village, except the three of us were Mafia instead, false villagers working to bring the village down. These identities were assigned by dealt cards, black for village, red for Mafia. The game then unfolded in cycles of night and day. Night was when we closed our eyes and lowered our heads. The village is asleep, Adam explained, with the exception of the three mafiosi. They instead kept their eyes open, and by an exchange of glances silently conspired to select a villager to kill. The victim would be informed of his or her death by the narrator when night was over, and then make an orderly exit from the game. Day, by contrast, was chaos, a period of free talk and paranoia among the sincere and baffled villagers, who, of course, included three dissembling mafiosi. Each day closed with the village agreeing by democratic vote on a suspect to banish. This McCarthyesque ritual lynching brought about night and another attack from the mafia, and so on. The mafia won if they winnowed the village down to two or three, a number they could dominate in any voting, before the village purged all mafiosi from its ranks. It seemed to me like relentless, jargonish nonsense, but I worked on a beer, telling Roberta the wine was for the cellar, checked out the women, and allowed myself to be swept into the group's flow. We began our first day in the village, peppered by Adam the narrator's portentous reminders such as, Dead, keep your silence. I'd drawn a black card, villager. Our village was young and boisterous, full of hot, beer-bright faces whose attachments I couldn't judge. It was also splendidly bloodthirsty. It pretty much doesn't matter who we vote out on the first day, some veteran player announced. We don't have any information yet. I wondered how we were meant to gather information at any point in the agitated crosstalk, but never mind. 
A regular named Barth was quickly exiled on grounds of past performance. He'd proven such a generally deceptive player that he couldn't be trusted now. Roberta, who with her stature and chesty volume was strongly dominant in the village, led this charge. Barth succumbed to our lynch mob under groaning protest. Night fell and we slept, and when day came again, Adam announced that a woman named Kelly had been taken out by the mafia. Kelly's murder drew shouts and giggles of surprise. Why had they picked her? Perhaps this was the information that would lead us to an informed lynching, instead of Barth's whimsical sacrifice. The village again plunged into an uproar of accusations and deflection. I turned to the woman beside me, a sylph-like girl with dyed black shortish hair who hadn't spoken. Are you in the mafia? I asked her, not quite whispering. She blinked at me. I'm a villager. Me too. I told her my name, and she told me hers. Doe. Our exchange was easily covered by the shouts of the village leadership, mainly Roberta Jar and a couple of strident men as they led our next purge. First time? Doe asked. Yes. That doesn't mean you aren't lying to me. No, it doesn't, I said. But I'm not. Whom do you suspect? I'm hopeless at this. Unashamed, she met my eye. I felt a pang. Doe was everything Roberta Jar was not. Diminutive, vulnerable, and, I began to hope, single. We'll work together, I suggested. Be watchful. Mafia was a kind of fun, I decided. It elicited from us heaps of behavior. Embarrassment and self-reproach. Chummy consensus.